Have you got everyone out? Right, go on, lock it up. How are we doing, folks? I was thinking of another, like, punny introduction to ask how we're getting on, but I've already run out. The creative juices are gone. And also, you know, I was going to try and tell, like, a banking joke, but I was afraid you'd lose interest. Yep. I'm just going to let that one sit for a second. Anyway, our guest this week is Danny the Drop Bear Beauclair. Danny is a former flyweight MMA champion here in Canada, and he's also the owner of the well-renowned Six MMA Gym based here in Toronto, which I'm actually currently a member of. So in this podcast, we're going to cover a couple of aspects of fighting, get inside a fighter's mentality the day of a fight, what it's like cutting weight, which is a very interesting aspect, um, and also for those that aren't even in, like into MMA, we'll cover what it's like to join an MMA gym, what the culture is like, and we'll even break down a few misconceptions. So sit back, go for your walk, and stick us on in the background while you're working or studying away, and uh, we'll get a bit of shy talk going to keep you a bit of company. So without further ado, welcome once again to the lock-in. All right, how are we doing, Coach? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm not bad. How does it uh, How does it feel to be talking to your most dangerous student again? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dangerous with the ladies, I'm sure. Oh, would you stop it? Come on, I can throw a point yeah. at you as well. Oh, you can. You absolutely can. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say. So, Danny Dropper Beauclair. I actually never That's asked. It. I actually never asked you this coach like how did you how did you get the name drop bear where did it come from i was funny uh so uh, when i was in australia uh, i lived in australia for a year in 2006 and uh you know drop bear is part of their culture this you know the aussies joke with the foreigners that there's this you know 300 pound carnivorous bear that is a koala essentially with razor sharp fangs and teeth uh, and it drops from the trees specifically on foreigners on travelers no, it doesn't attack the aussies much uh so we were uh, having staff drinks after a long night in this pub and uh, one of the security guards was this really big beefed up guy and uh, he, he was kind of joking around fake sparring with me so when he had his back turned to talk to a girl i got up on the counter behind him and jumped onto his back and put him in a rear naked choke uh like playfully right and as soon as i jumped on his back he, he grabbed my arms and started saying drop bear drop bear and uh somebody said drop bear beauclair and i went oh that's uh that's the name Holy shit. Yeah, it can run. Yeah, just yeah, just with when they said drop bear Beauclair, I went, Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That is and I like that it was obscure, you know. I you can't be the pit bull or the or the executioner or no, no disrespect to, to those names, but they're <laughs> they're a bit I, done, right? Yeah, like no 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 offense to you, coach, but I mean like if you came up and said I'm the executioner, it'd be like okay. It just doesn't fit me too, right? Yeah. No, yeah. no. Maybe maybe if you're like a light heavyweight or something. That's right. Well, I'm I'm a light heavyweight right now. I was just gonna say, what are you what are you walking around there right now, coach? It's been like... uh, no, I'm technically a middleweight. I'm 181 right now. So are you messing? I'm 181. It's it's a it's a travesty. Oh, I'm 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 one I'm 187 right now. There you go. So yeah, we're uh, we're close. We're close. 
on the yeah. but you know it, it's one of those things too where it's i know all i have to do is run right as soon as the gym's back open just jogging there and back each day i'll, you, I'll cut it away yeah are you are you one of those people who can like drop weight really easy like i am but the, it's kind of the double-edged sword is i can't putting on muscles a nightmare for me so i can burn fat like you know if i play enough xbox and push the buttons fast enough i'll burn i'll cut fat oh, but uh fuck you but uh putting on muscles always been a struggle i'm just um, i'm just built lean you know yeah so like so you're you you fight at where you fought at flyweight that was that was your yeah that's right wow 125 to 181 yeah that's a, it's quite the it's quite the jump that's a big jump um yeah so like so for like I, i'm sure a lot of like um people who don't watch mma will be listening to this and a huge thing about mma is like weight cutting like right it's not just you're walking in in good shape and you're fighting at what you usually weigh people usually drop down weight classes like right. and it's like i suppose it's to get like a bit of a competitive advantage isn't it yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, so for my last fight, I was walking at 152 to 155. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, so if I go in at that walking weight, I'm going to deal with some guy coming in at 6'2", who normally walks around 185, 190, who managed to cut down to 55. So, yes, we both weigh in on the day at 55, but that, that guy is a naturally much larger, bigger frame, taller, more muscle. So, yeah, fighting I, – I, before I was fighting sanctioned fights, I was just doing smokers, and a lot of them were at 55, and I got ragdolled, <laughs> absolutely just bullied around. And not to discredit, some of the guys were better fighters than me and bigger, so, which is just the worst. <laughs> hold on. So a lot, a lot of people who be listening, because uh, a lot of people back home in Ireland, they wouldn't have a feckin' breeze what smokers are. Oh, right. My apologies. Uh, so, no, 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 that's me. I'm trying to like, you know, give, us, give us a bit of insight on what a, a smoker is. Right. So a smoker is a, a basically an unsanctioned fight or a, uh, sometimes it's just hard sparring. It's difficult to categorize it because it's supposed to be a hard spar with a, a new opponent from a different gym, right? Yeah. So, you know, 10 or 10 or 12 gyms will all head to one gym. The coaches will match up people of comparable size and comparable skill and they'll go. And the goal is usually just to get, you know, fresh bodies and, and work on some weapons and get used to kind of the, the nerves of being in front of a crowd. And But nine out of 10, I should say eight out of 10 times, the guy's trying to knock you out. So it's it's not a fight but it is. In, in some ways, but it also in some ways is a fight. So, you know, it's it depends. I suppose it depends on the person that you're up against, isn't it? You kind of get a exactly. feeling of what it is. Exactly. And like... Yeah. Do, do people tend not to talk about these things? Because that, that sounds a lot like Fight Club. It sounds like you literally just did Fight Club. Yeah, no, it's, it was weird. It was kind of in a gray area in terms of legality for a long time. Um, and well, back when I was doing it too, there was no sanctioning body, I believe, uh, anywhere. So, so there wasn't even really, like there wasn't a Muay Thai Ontario where you know, your club signed up and there was, there was nothing like that. Uh, yeah. This is pre-CamTow which is one of the amateur Muay Thai leagues from, from back in the day. Um, so yeah, we kind of, the best thing to do was just grab a bunch of people from your gym, head over to this gym in that neighboring town and beat the tracks off each other. And, and <laughs> but you know, I, I'll go on record as they're not fights. Like uh, some of them are, have the fight level of intensity, but I would never say that's a fight. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a smoker or a demo um, yeah. different than a, than a sanctioned fight. Demos, demos, a good word for it. Um, yeah. yeah. 
so so back to the moving from hard sparring uh just sounds funny you know the old the old Irish accent uh I love back, it I love it back, back hard hard spar <laughs> back back to the proper fighting so like what's a what, what would it be like cutting weight for a fight so you you technically have to drop like 20 30 pounds how do you go about that yeah well I was I was really lucky I got uh coach uh Krista Scott Dixon who's amazing she she's walks you through every step of it uh for my last fight and so she made sure that i was cutting in a healthy way uh and by that i mean you know sometimes you'll hear fighters saying oh i've got to cut 12 pounds of water in the next two hours and you go that's you're gonna you're you're risking heart failure and, and brain damage and all kinds of stuff it's actually more dangerous when you make a stupid cut than it is getting in the cage you're, you're far more likely most of the amateur deaths in canada in combat sports have been from bad weight cuts really you know and then the, what happens which is terrible is the person ends up dying in the ring or in the cage but due to cardiovascular issues from dehydration um yeah there was a kid out east years and years ago it's so sad uh i hope the coach gets sued into the stone age but uh it was a 17 year old kid who had to cut weight so the day of the fight the coach had him skipping in a sauna suit in the sauna Jeez. which is ridiculous like if one of my guys had to cut that much weight, they wouldn't fight that day. They just wouldn't That's fight. It. Pull, pull the plug. Because especially at amateur, you know, there's no Reebok sponsorship. There's no proper 12 promote. Like this is uh there's there's no money switching hands here. It's not, it's not worth it. Nobody should be dying for a for a sport, you yeah. know, like especially like at the amateur level. It's like it's funny. I always joke, argue with you when we talk about it's like, you know, should I ever step into the cage? We always debate like what weight I would fight at. And like right. you're adamant with 55, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're you're 100 percent of 55. I'm like, that's 35 pounds. And like I'm, I'm not I'm not the fattest guy in the world right now. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. But if you think about it, like if we got you going hard six days a week, yeah, right? You're you're gonna go, you're gonna start to walk 165, 170. Okay. Um, and then we'd cut, you know, we're cutting about 10 of water. So um, if we can get you to sixty-five, uh, that's then insane. we can just go from there. I'm sh like, I'm sure I'd look like Junkie McGregor, like <laughs> stepping up to that scale, like just. I like that Junkie McGregor. I like he that. He looks like a junkie when he was when he's when he was doing that forty-five cut. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, so, but if we put you in at seventy, your risk. Uh, there's some big ins at once, like Carlos Khan at six-two. He's he's some of these guys are they're yeah. big guys yeah fair yeah it's yeah well i mean like yeah re realistically for yeah if we were to go it'd probably be 55 but i mean that's that's a ways away yet <laughs> like realistically but uh, uh, oh don't, that's, that's not it's not too far be, don't you be don't you be pumping up my ego now that's the last thing <laughs> <I need tomorrow. laughs> there's some light at the end of the tunnel though at least but come here right so i'm thinking about this like you know from my perspective and from people who like haven't ever fought an mma fight because there's quite a lot of people out there who have never fought an mma right. fight so like right you know like what what's it what's it like being in an mma fight like leading up to it being in the cage like what's going through your head i find uh it's it's obviously different for every fighter uh i'm super calm until I'm walking out to the cage. Like okay. I'll hear fighters say, you know, a week out, I'm starting to get nervous. Uh, and I don't, I don't get nervous a week out. 
but I, I, you know, and I'm not going to, I don't try to talk like I'm a macho guy. I get nervous and shit once, <laughs> once we start walking to the cage. But I think that's pretty much, you know, GSP said in an interview, he said, I could be fighting a six-year-old girl and I'm going to get shaky knees on the walkout. Like it's just, it's yeah. a fight. He's one of the greatest no. mixed martial artists of all time. And he yeah. gets so nervous. He dreads it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think, you know, it's because he's smart. You know, I think the guys who have zero fear, there's almost something evolutionary wrong. Like those are the guys who ran up and tried to hug the saber tooth bag. You know, yeah. like fear is a good thing. We, we, it's a good thing to have. It's what keeps you, it's protected, it's self-preservation, right? Um, so anytime I hear a guy, and it's, you know this better than anyone, it's usually guys who don't train. So I'm never afraid when I fight. I always look at them like, come on, man. Oh, You're, oh completely. You know. I mean, I, I can attest to that. Like, you know, uh, you know, I did my white level, so I passed the test to allow me to spar in, in the gym. And stepping into um, that first class, like, I I definitely learned the hard way and you you were there so I was um sparring at one of the amateur fighters and I thought I was hot shit moving around doing fine and you're standing beside the other fighter and you just go uppercut next time and I'm like what's next time bonk right on the nose and I'm like I'm like tears are coming out of my eyes I'm like squinting I'm like what the fuck was that and then my mouth gets all wet and I look down there's just blood all over my top I'm like okay I, yeah okay <laughs> okay this is not what i anticipated <laughs> well to your credit you were slipping the jab really well that's what it was you kept taking your head off the line which is a good thing right um but your hands were pulling down and i knew that if he just pumped the jab and threw the far side uppercut he's gonna ding you yeah um, and that that is exactly what he did and i learned it the hard way and that was very much a rude awakening and uh also then i went up against uh mac uh, Mike McAloon, who's now in the top ten featherweights in Canada. Guy's uh, overrated. The guy's a bum. He he's a he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a bum, you know. He's got, a, he's got a massive ego. He's a shit talker. He's 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 not up to much. I really yeah. hope I really hope he doesn't make it this far into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, it's me. He's gonna beat up, not you. Don't worry. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember like because like we get on so well. Uh, I'm Mister All Jokey Jokey Shit Talker in the gym. And he just like had this, like the, the straight face. I'm like, oh, right. he is. Which is funny because he's a, you know him as a guy. He's wicked sense of humor. He's not an aggressive guy day to day. Oh, no. Um, but Paulie's the same way, right? That's what those two were made such good sparring partners is. They're both just, you know, generally nice guys, pretty chill, but man, they can throw. Yeah. Right. What, what, what I find about the, the, the gym is that like the nicest guys are usually the most dangerous. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one thing that isn't unique to six, you know, typically at, at the gyms I've trained at growing up and, and uh, competed against and smokers and stuff. Yeah. It's usually, I always got super nervous around the respectful guy. Like if a guy had effeminate walkout music, uh, I, if a guy came out to Celine Dion, I'd think, oh, for fuck's sake, You're this in is going to be, he's going to be a nightmare. Or if a guy came out and super girly i thought one guy who came out in sparkly pink and teal muay thai shorts uh and i think he had some anime song as his thing that was a bunch of japanese girls screaming at the top of their lungs and i thought <laughs> this dude is going to be <laughs> a nightmare and, and he was he, yeah. he yeah, was he, he lived up to it i think it's just that a guy who doesn't need to to seem uh stereotypically manly or has no attempt to you know beat his chest they're usually the the sharp ones yeah you know so what uh 
What was your walkout team? Fix You. Yeah. Coldplay fan. What? Yeah. Came out to Fix You. Yeah. Uh, I've always loved that song. It's uh, like, just a good, good thing. Did, did you walk out to like the, the guitar part at the end, the big raise up, or was it the start where it's super well, it's, it's funny. At the last fight, it was supposed to queue up at the, at the guitar part, but uh, the DJ guy just queued it up at the beginning. So we sat through because I wasn't going to come walking out till the push. Of course. So uh, I felt a bit bad for the fans because I had to sit through the whole song. But hey, it's a great track. So uh, I, I just stood there and waited to the push. And then we walked. I love yeah. it. Mind games as well, because your opponent's probably like, where the fuck is this guy? Where is he? Where well, you know what's really funny? I, I was so tired because um, I cornered all of my fighters the same night, which was in hindsight a terrible. I should have listened to my wife. I should get a shirt that says that. But I, uh, she said, you know, if you corner all these fighters, you're going to be wiped, just exhausted. Yeah. And uh, I thought, nah, you know, adrenaline will kick in. Fear is a, a great, great energizer. Um, and I got into the cage and I laid down and just looked at the roof. I remember lying in the cage and looking up at the ceiling and just thinking like, I'm tired, like distinctly and not to make excuses, right? That my opponent was a great fighter, but I was just tired. Uh, and so I did that out of fatigue. And then it was funny because I was speaking to, to my opponent, one of his coaches later, and one of his teammates said, man, when you laid down in the cage, I, was, I thought, this guy's so chill. <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell him it wasn't, uh, it wasn't me being chill. It was me being exhausted. Take that one to the grave. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I probably should have kept it secret. But, but like, yeah, uh, it probably takes like a lot of mental energy to get through a fight, like the concentration. Yeah, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd lost my voice at that point from yelling. Uh, at my at my students, um, so yeah, it was it was a slow first round. I took a beating. Wow, yeah, that's that that's mental. Because like I there's like there's times like you know just training so much in the gym. I always just try and like visualize what kind of person I would be walking out like right right into the ring and stuff. Uh, so firstly, my walkout music would be sabotaged by the Beastie Boys. I just think that's nice. Such high it's a great track. Yeah, it's a great track. Yeah, and it's it's not like I'm trying to strike fear in you. It's just chaotic. So yep. hopefully given I like that. Yeah, giving someone an indication that a bit of chaos is on the way until I right. just, until I just completely fold. <laughs> 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 I like that. I like that. Well, yeah, I think it's like either I'm gonna go, I'm either gonna be like super shit talkery like I like I usually am in the gym, or I'm just gonna be completely like from dialed in. Right. Right. Which I've, I've no idea which one it's going to be. I think you'll be dialed in. Yeah. I'll okay. make sure of it. <laughs> oh, fair. Fair. Uh, yeah, you'll be, you'll be good to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, when, when I'm ready. And that's like yes. one, of the, one of the things that we talked about before in, in the green room. Uh, that's right. Was, you know, how, how you know when you're ready for a fight. Um, because there's been situations uh, where fighters may have gone out a bit too early and suffered yeah. consequences yeah and you know it it's one of those things i can never wrap my head around it um i don't want to sound like an old guy and say oh, it's these kids today and they're you know um but it does feel a okay, bit okay you know, boomer yeah that's right hey hey gen x here uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i do find it's like when I lost, my first thought always was, I've embarrassed my coach. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't execute well. Um, you know, I've slow to start, which was often a problem for me. 
slow yeah. to get into it. Um, but I never, I can honestly say this. I never once took a beating and a loss and went fucking coaches. <laughs> like yeah. I, my assumption was automatically that, that, uh, I was the issue where I find one of the problems I run into pretty consistently today is that my students are often like fucking coach, let me down. And, and you go, kid, you, 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 you couldn't have strayed more from our, from our camp. Yeah. Um, which is fine. You know, I don't even, I'm not even giving them crap from that. I had camps where we worked something very specific for eight weeks. That bell went and I totally shit the bed, went, went way off grid. I think just the difference was, is I was very aware that that was, the, I was the problem. Yeah. Right. I was very aware that I went off grid, that I lost control. I let emotions, typically that's what it was, right? Emotions overwhelm logic. Yeah. Um, but a lot, most fighters today will be like, ah, it's a, maybe my, I lost. So maybe my problem is I got to go down a way to me. Maybe my problem is I got to cross train at this camp. Maybe my problem is I have to, and, and the 99% of the time, the problem is that the fighter needs to train more and, or that they need to, uh, to work on their, uh, kind of emotional discipline. Okay. Um, Cause that's a real tough one, right? Fear is a powerful thing. Yeah. You know, like it, it could be a good driver or it could be a negative. Like exactly. Take over. Exactly. It's a matter of how well you can, it's, you know, I used to think when I was a kid that the key was not being afraid. And obviously as I got older, I realized it was being able to manage the fear to a point where it was kind of good in terms of self-preservation, but not crippling, you know, it's not going to make you second guess your coach's game plan. Um, you know, stuff like that. Completely. So we're, we're talking about a pretty like decent level. We're talking about people like going into fights, amateur fights, pro fights, uh, whatnot. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's a whole different side to six MMA and MMA gyms out there. And like, I could speak firsthand that like, well, first of all, I, I actually came in kind of by accident. Uh, I, I just came in to check out the pricing and you, you just showed over. You're like, have you got, have you got like gym gear with you? I'm like, yeah. You're like, go on, stick it on and, and get in there. And I'm like, all right. Okay. Fuck, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And right. I I ended up loving it, like hitting pads, moving around, doing a bit of jujitsu. And I was like, okay, you got me. I'm, I'm in. Um, but, you know, one of the things I thought was like, maybe I'm going into an MMA gym here. I'm just going to go in and get the shit kicked out of me. But, that, right. but that's a bit of a misconception, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's, I, I feel like, um, I mean, for instance, we were called Black Devil MMA. Uh, and... and <laughs> we changed the name, you know, partly because, uh, you know, we, we had a few people who are marketing students who are, who are marketers as well in marketing. And they said, listen, like it's too aggressive. It's scaring people off. And I just, I'm going to make a bunch of millennials mad here, but I, I, I underestimated the softness, you know, uh, uh, of kids today. I, I really did. I'll be, uh, it's, people will be mad, but they know where I am. They know where the gym is. I can take it up. And, um, <laughs> Open but, challenge. You know, when, when I was a kid, the more aggressive the name of the gym, you were like, yes, I didn't want to be part of the pink butterflies. I want to be part of the black devils. Yeah. And, uh, but we said, you know, we had people saying, oh, I, I'd walk by your gym every day and I saw the sign and I thought, no, I'm going to get, I'm going to get knocked out day one. Like, you, you know, yeah. um, so yeah, I think it's important for people to know that it's, uh, you know, sparring, like, well, you know, this, you were bringing up the white level earlier. We have a test you have to take just to spar. Yeah. You know, and you know, I tell everybody this, it's 50% to make sure that you've got 
correct technique and you can protect yourself and 50% to make sure that your attitude is correct. You know, you're not some guy coming off the street who just wants to concuss people on a random Thursday night. Right. Uh, and you know, this being downtown, we get care, you know, we get characters coming into that gym. That we do. So, you know, when people say, Hey, I'm here to spar, my answer is always, well, you know, build a rapport with the other guys, uh, you know, take the test, uh, become part of the culture of the gym. So there's trust, you know, um, yeah, because you don't want to be sparring some guy who's trying to take your head off. Right. No. We know so much more about the brain now than we did even 20 years ago. And, uh, you can't be getting knocked out. I hear guys say that all the time and they say it like it's a pro. They'll say, Oh, my gym every Thursday, there's somebody KO'd on the, on the cage floor and they're beating their chest about it. And I go, that's fucking ridiculous. That's I mean, that's opinion. so, no. that's someone's brain. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the pros, the bottom line is the pros don't do that. Uh, look, at, you look know, at Mike, like Max Holloway, right. He's not even sparring anymore. No. Um, Robbie Lawler said it. He's like, look, I know I can fight. If I spar, I get injured. I get dinged up. I, I, he said, I, I'm better to go in. Uh, you know, and Bisping said that about George. I think Bisping took, no, he took, uh, Luke Rockhold on short notice. Yeah. Or, and he said, I, I had no injuries usually after an eight week camp. Yeah, yeah. I'm dialed in and I have a good game plan, but I'm banged up. You know? Yeah. And he won the fucking belt off that. Yeah. Um, oh, I was so happy. I'm a big Bisping fan. He's, uh, he's, uh, brilliant. he's a great shit talker. Great character. Um, yeah. And I, I've met him a few times in real life and he's just, uh, he's just a solid guy. You know? Speaking of like sparring partners, because like, like doing, doing like sparring in the gym, like you're, you're like, there's a, such a great culture in there. Like you're sparring with friends and it's just so unique. Like you're, you're pretty much kind of going to war with each other because to a degree, like you do get a bit hurt, like leg kicks are not fun yeah, or shots. Absolutely. But at the end of it, like you're hugging each other, you're laughing, you're like, you're confident right. each other. Like I know when I get hit, I'm not like, oh, this, this, this prick hit me. I'm like, good shot. Like you caught me. Right. Right. Well, well done. But uh, yeah, that's like, that's like us with like some of the amateur guys. I've, I've, I think I remember you've had some pretty interesting spars with some pretty high level. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some, uh, I've got to spar some good guys. I uh, ate a body kick from Brandon Vera back in the day and uh, he's just a smidgen bigger than me. Just I think he, I think he was walking like two forty or something. Um, Jesus. And uh, you know, he was pulling it. He was a gentleman. He wasn't trying to kill me. No. Um, th thank God. <laughs> Cause uh flyweight shouldn't be fighting light heavies or middles. Um, no. you know, there's a reason there's weight divisions. I'm not built to take a kick from a guy whose leg is the size of my waist. Sent you across um, the room. Did he? Yeah, he did. Um, uh, I got some really light playful rounds in with George at one point, um, which was so fun for, for the people not in the know there. George St. Pierre is literally often touted as the best mixed martial artist of all time. I, and I would agree, uh, him or Fedor. Uh, and it's funny if people, everybody has their own definition of the goat, right? Yeah. Some, some people look exclusively at a record. Like when I say, I think Fedor is the best people be like, really? He's lost to this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. Uh, John Jones has never lost to anyone. That's one of the common arguments. And I get that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting that. John Jones, there's certainly a very strong argument for him being the goat. So yeah. disclaimer. But I, f I feel like one, the, the multiple failed drug tests uh, is something to take into a factor when you look at a guy who's, yes, undefeated, but also has cheated fairly a couple of times. 
Yeah. Um, there's no questioning his skill level and there's no questioning that he is one of the greatest fighters. Yeah. Um, but I look at Fedor and I think here's a guy who's, let's be real. He's a middleweight, yeah. he's six foot, uh, who went, who had a decade long undefeated streak at super heavyweight. That's yeah, over right. 265. <laughs> so you got, you got a six foot guy here. You know, he, Fedor's a, a kid compared to the heavyweights in terms of stature. He's much smaller. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most of his losses were way at the tail end of his career. That's another thing. Like, you know, um, and I think he's beaten, what, six UFC heavyweight champs? Come something on. Like that. Yeah, a murderer's row. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was just something about him back in the day. He was uh, untouchable, ice cold, calculated, brutal. Um, but back back to the other ghost, George. So what was it? What was it? What was it like actually going toe to toe with George Saint Pierre? Oh, it was super light. Obviously, like uh, I'm I'm really lucky it wasn't proper toe to toe. No, it was good. Um, it, it's it's humbling, you know. He's got uh, pretty much every single category. He's 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 a like an A plus across the board. There's no chinks in the armor so to speak like he's uh he doesn't get tired he's crazy fast he has a disproportionate reach um he's freakishly strong like it, it, it's uh he's one of those guys that you come up and pat him on the shoulder and it, it feels like you're patting a brick wall and he's relaxed totally relaxed just he's just made a, a different material um and an absolute gentleman i mean yeah. first thing he does he comes into a new gym and he looks for the gym rules on the wall to make sure that he doesn't disrespect anyone like he, that's the type of and fighter he, he is. If he were to walk into, if he were to walk into six MMA, he would see the uh, highly inflated ego of our head coach. Because uh, do you or do you not have a photo or a cartoon of yourself dressed as Brett the Hitman Hart up on top of the mats? <laughs> I do, I do, yeah. Um, almost, almost like a shrine. Let's all worship our head coach, Danny. Yeah, I. I, see, that's good that I get people like you because you, I think you need a sense of humor to be one of my students to a certain degree, um, because you know that I'm just taking the piss, right? Like it's a it's, oh, it's, the, the absolutely breathtaking arrogance. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love, I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. <laughs> yes, and uh, Hugo's such a brilliant. Uh, how can you not uh, use that guy's skills? Oh, he's um, the boss as an artist. Hugo was the uh, the lovely gentleman who uh, who did the picture for me. Oh yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely fantastic job. I'll, uh... So where the where that kind of came from was you know we've got the Silvio Bering aff affiliation um, with yeah. Matador and all those great guys uh, and Professor Chris at Silvio Bering. So you know they said we want to have a, a picture of uh, of uh, Helio Gracie up on, on the wall, and then I thought well I'll put one of uh, Nikon on Tom, who's who's the not the founder of Muay Thai so to speak, but he's uh, so it's, you know, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of like the, like like one of the godfathers of jujitsu, one of the godfathers of Muay Thai. There, exactly. And I thought, <laughs> what better just in pure ridiculous narcissism to to put a picture of me dressed as Bret the Hitman Hart in between. Um, was, and was, yet, and like I said, it's it's all for fun, right? But I, I know certain people have come in and it's 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 offended them a bit, and they're like, guys, oh, it's just a, really? it's just a, oh yeah. Well, people get you know people get butt hurt about everything these days, so. 
Oh my um, god. I, I just I just remember there was one time because you know there's 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 a huge respect level in the gym. So you walk up to the mats and you, you bow and you walk on and you move around. But I just remember I'm like I'm all respectful. I'm like I bow and I walk onto the the mat. I just look up and I'm like, what in the holy Christ is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh it's good fun. Yeah, and you, you know, know you, you know I'll I'll call you out on it straight away. Uh, exactly. But speaking of a nice little segue here. Speaking of big names to walk into six, we uh, we had a bit of a big name going in there uh, a couple of years back for a for a UFC event, didn't we? Oh, Valentina, yes, um, that was amazing. So we, you know, it was a a random weekday, and uh, my Lena, my wife, got an email from Valentina's manager, and she said, "Listen, our normal one twenty five sparring partner is uh, staying back home. He's, he can't make the trip out to Toronto." Um, can, can, will Danny and, and some of the, the uh, lighter students, people that are in uh, Valentina's weight division, come out for sparring? Uh, so, you know, absolutely. You'd love to, to work with someone like that. She's one of the best fighters alive. Well, um, um, for, for, for context, for those, uh, again, for those um, not privy, like Valentina Shevchenko is currently the, the female uh, flyweight champion of the UFC and is an absolute i think it's you know say to say it's an absolute killer yeah she's on a uh i've I can honestly say this i've never felt that kind of strength uh out of a stature she's so little she's just like she's up to my up to my shoulder and she just the power and the precision and uh and the ferocity she spars a little bit harder than uh but it was funny, her coach, Pavel, comes up to me and he's in broken English and he says, okay, you go very gentle, please? He said, <laughs> he goes, uh, you like kitten? He's like, and he said, uh, uh, Valentina, gonna hurt you. Oh <laughs> my God. I was like, oh, good, good. Uh, but you know what? In fairness, I think I only sparred two rounds with her. Um, I hadn't been training at all and I was out of shape and gassed out and, and you know, I don't want to, uh, I want to make sure, you know, she's fighting Joanna for the belt. I want to make sure she's got bodies in front of her that are pushing her so i was very lucky to have you know dave henry and uh cassie got in some good rounds with her and, and stuff like that so it was good to be able to get some bodies that aren't going to get tired in three minutes because uh, you know i just i'd been in coach mode for so long yeah uh, that uh, and especially like i said the pace she spars is a little bit uh Oh. higher than, a, than we're used to sparring i'd say it was frightening i remember now because this was at a stage where there was no way or even, even now there's no way i'd get anywhere near a ufc fighter if they if they walked in there but i remember even i just like i was like i, I got word that she was there and i was just like right how do i skive off work to just <laughs> even even like get anywhere near the gym just like walk right in, like, Oh, what? oh, sorry. There's there's no class on today. Oh, oh, hi, Valentina Shuchenko. What's up? How are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, what? Like, oh, your sister, another UFC fighter. She needs someone to kind of tug around. Like, I was just this was all going through my head. I was like, I was like, ah, right. I can't get away with it. But maybe maybe next time when an, when another UFC champion comes around. <laughs> That's right. And and you know what? Much like George, you know, she was hyper respectful, soft spoken. Um, you know. What I really love too, and it might sound like a small thing, is her training gear was your elbow pads were beaten to shit. Um, you know, she was she really she, she struck me as someone who hasn't lost that fire. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like she she didn't need to be in there. I mean, she could have whatever gear she wants. You, you yeah. know, Fairtex would be throwing their stuff at her. Everybody will be. You know, um, and the fact she was training up in some beat up old gear just made me like her more. 
still, you know, still, uh, still modest, still humble. Like, yeah, him. yeah. And she knows that, you Even know, the gear is going to, it's not going to make a difference, right? No, uh, not, not for someone of her level. Um, so I think I'm thinking we got, we got a, so you, you'll know, I, I did a bit of a, a social media push to get some questions out, uh, right. yeah. from people. So, you know, some, some, some of the questions actually kind of have already been answered, you know? So one, one of the guys asked if, uh, if we had any crazy weight cutting stories, if, if there's, if there's anything of mind, particularly crazy, uh, cutting, no, we've been pretty good. Uh, you know, the, the, some fighters have their own way of cutting, um, yeah. and uh, and are convinced my ways are, are not correct, which is fine. I, I think the biggest thing with weight cutting is, and you know, we kind of joked about it when we were talking about you at lightweight. But I'll often get a lot of pushback. Um, and what I used to do in the past is, if I if I get too much pushback, I'd allow them to fight in the weight division they wanted to fight in, and of course they get creamed uh, <laughs> by some guy who's twice their size. Or Fair. some woman who's twice her size, uh, you know. So, I, I think weight cutting, even big cuts, as long as you're they're done intelligently with the fighter's health in mind every step of the way. Yeah, I'm not actually anti big cuts. Uh, I'm anti big poor cuts, uh, yeah. or or people saying you know like I got to lose a, a crazy amount of water in a small amount of time. That's not good. Dangerous. Right? Uh, dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, um, yeah, that 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 that's an interesting one. Uh, here's here's a here's a, here's an interesting one, uh, and it's actually from uh, our good friend Hugo. Uh, was oh, there nice, ever nice. was there ever a moment where you actually wanted to give up MMA? Oh yeah, the the first time I got hit with a big elbow, I remember distinctly thinking like I should take up croquet or badminton or, or <laughs> i remember getting my head wrung off the cage floor and just, just thinking just just an fyi coach badminton yeah, is yeah. one of the most dangerous sports in europe oh, right that's right that's right like, like soccer yeah yeah it gets <laughs> violent <laughs> right right or sorry football football yeah exactly good. um good 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 uh correction right. otherwise we'd have to be throwing hands soon enough <laughs> um oh sorry i lost uh what was i uh, this is a lot where would you did you ever consider giving up mma oh right yeah yeah i think i think too because i didn't i had no aspirations of being a fighter i i, I was being really really badly bullied as you know i'm a small guy i've yeah. got a big mouth um and i that was a lot of pride too like i noticed i've got two brothers an older brother and a younger brother and when bullies would approach us, my older brother would always just ignore them. He was just light years more mature. Guys would come up and say something, you know, about our mom and my older brother would go, whatever. And he'd walk away. And my younger brother would get so upset emotionally. Like, he was like, why would you say that about mama? And, oh, no. and I'd be hitting them halfway through the insult. And the worst part was I knew I'd look like I wasn't a great fighter. I'm small. I, I usually got my ass kicked. Uh, but I just had that, 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 uh, that gene. You know, little, to get little, in there and little, scrap, little scrappy fucker. That's right. That's right. Uh, so I was getting so so badly bullied that I signed up just with the goal of I want to stop getting my ass kicked. And you know, you know how it goes. It, I never dreamt of competing or opening my own gym or coaching. I just wanted to walk home uh, and, and not get not get beat up. And then you know, you start sparring, you build a rapport, you start sparring with the guys who are fighting amateur, and you start beating them. And, and you start beating them easily and then you start going 
like, I, I think I can do this. You know, I think yeah. I could be a fighter. Um, whereas when I walked in, I had no, no thought of, of, of a career or anything like that in my head. I just, I used to, I literally would sit in my last period of class and plan routes home. Like if I sneak behind the ditch, they won't find me. Like I was, I was getting bullied oh badly. Um, it actually reminds me of yeah. um, one, you, you dropped a, a huge bomb on us one time in class and it was a, a story you told us about you and your coach when you first went into the gym asking about something to do with a bullet. Oh, right. Yeah. I, uh, I had told him as I think all small guys do at some point, we all have Napoleon complex to a certain degree. Any small guy who says he doesn't have it, he should lie. Um, now there are varying degrees of little guy syndrome, but please excuse the technical difficulty, uh, uh, and we hope you stick with the story because the ending is most certainly worth it. Thank you. Your arms. I need to be stronger. I need to hit guys, and I want to see them fold. You have to be faster. And I said, no, no, I want power. And of course, I was I was a kid, and I didn't. My physics sense of physics weren't great, and I didn't understand that velocity equaled power. I said, well, no, I don't want to be faster. I want to be. I want to hit harder. And my coach said, just take a second. And he was a, a soldier. He went into his uh, bullet, and it was like, I don't, you know, I don't know my guns very well, but it looked like an automatic weapon. Like it was a fairly, fairly long shell, very long bullet. And uh, he told me to put my hands behind my back, <laughs> which I did. And already I was nervous. I thought, oh, what's coming? Is he going to just teat me? Or something, and uh, he stood about ten feet away and pitched this bullet at me like a pitcher, like as hard as he could. Just threw yeah. it and it hit my chest, and ding went off my chest, and you know it was a little sting. And uh, I just looked at him like, "What's your point?" And he said, "Now, do I need to make that bullet bigger or heavier for it to be dangerous, or do I need to get it moving faster?" And I just it hit me, and I smiled. I smiled. I said, "Listen, Danny, the, the bullet size isn't the issue. The velocity is the issue. We get enough heat behind this thing, it becomes a real problem." Yeah, I, I just mind blowing. And it, it was that kind of, those kind of uh, metaphors or analogies. I never know the difference between the two of those words, by the way. Metaphors or analogies that, uh, that really kind of helped me put things in perspective. He said, you know, if we get your knuckles moving quick enough, they'll, they'll put someone down. And uh, yeah, not, uh, that. and I said to him, but if I made my arm twice the size, even though it's moving slower, wouldn't it still do the same damage? And he said it would, but everyone's going to see it coming. Right. I love I love that. Like I remember when you said that in, in class one time, like I was literally just like, Oh my god, like mind blown. I was like, it's so stupidly simple, it makes so much sense. Right. Uh, and I said to him, I don't want to be a bullet, I want to be a freight train. And he said, Who gets hit by freight trains, Danny? You'd have to be asleep. <laughs> like he said, You'll see it coming for months. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, and that really stuck, you know, stuck with me. Quick class. Um, our next question. Uh, comes from uh, Nicholas uh, from from Six. Actually, Nicholas, oh, Nicholas, who I credit as the man who actually busted my nose open that time. He was the <laughs> nice, nice. He's, he's got that dubious claim. So uh, Nick asks, does it? Do you think it makes more sense to make a cage a circle rather than an octagon? Ooh, you, you know what? To be honest, I don't know. Um, there was an organization, there's been a few in the past that have had circular cages. Um, I think without the corners, but you know, the angles of the corners are, are pretty uh, open on an octagon anyways. You don't really get trapped. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I've never fought in a circular cage. So I, I, I don't, don't really know the pros and cons, but. Well, well, um, well done, Nicholas. You, you stumped coach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. 
uh, and then we'll, we'll do two more. So it's actually from good old, good old Mac who asked if you had to choose between head movement or footwork, which one and why? Always footwork uh, in MMA. And I can explain. Um, head movement is great. So I should give the disclaimer that it's not that I don't think head movement is important. It's a, it, you should have good head movement. But if I had to pick one, and the reason is great head movement keeps, keeps your head safe from strikes, obviously, right? If you're slipping, punches slipping the, the power shots, that's fantastic. And it allows you to counter. What happens is if you run into a really high level wrestler and you start using your head movement to slip their punches, but your feet are planted, you're going to get taken down. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas if you're being elusive via footwork, as opposed to head movement, you're hard to hit and hard to take down. Right. You know, whereas if, if you're planted and you, you know, when you see those boxers, they plant their feet and don't get me wrong, their, their head movement's brilliant, but against a wrestler planting your hips square up like that is, uh, it's, it's not a great, uh, not it's, a great way to it's, fight. It's, it really takes into uh, account, like, you know, the mixed of mixed martial arts. Right. You know, it's not just one aspect you have to worry about. You can't just go in and box because you're right. getting taken down and, the game just completely changing. That's right. And you know, you know, I, please excuse the difficulties while we talk about the train track train analogy. Track analogy a lot. Yeah, the train track analogy. Yeah. My coach said, you know, you gotta be able to get off the tracks. You know, if if you get rooted like that, you know, it's great for power and stuff. But yeah, you're gonna get smoked eventually. You need to be able to step off the track, let that train go by, and let that shot. Because um, the great thing about you know most takedowns, you look at like a blast double like takedown or something like that. You, you're yeah. not really turning while you shoot. Once you commit to that shot, it's a straight line. Footwork yeah. can often get off that line, you know, uh, make a double become a single. Maybe they only get a hold of one leg, um, which is a lot easier to defend, obviously. So, yeah, I would definitely take footwork. Perfect. Uh, thanks for that, coach. And then <laughs> last one comes in from good old Keen. Why are Irish fighters so good? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what? There's, there's obviously, there's not a country in the world that doesn't have stereotypes about it. Canadians have stereotypes. Americans have stereotypes. The English have stereotypes. One thing with the Irish, I've never met an Irishman who can't take a shot. I've never met a soft, like, like there seems to be a, you know, I'll give it, it it's, it's similar with Russian fighters. I found Oh yeah. I've, I've never met a Russian fighter who's soft and I've never met an Irish fighter who's soft, right? Even, even if they're technical, you know, if you, I've had guys coming off the street, don't know how to throw a punch, but they can take one. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can take a shot. So uh, that's definitely a pro, you know, yeah. because no one getting hit sucks. It really sucks. Um, it's, it's funny, like when, when you're doing classes and when people are sparring and whatnot, one uh, aspect you always try and call out on is like the, the distance between the two fighters. And right. you, you have a very distinctive name for uh, when fighters get in too close, don't you, coach? Yes, we call it, I call it Irish range, yeah. Where they, <laughs> I always picture this pub with the chalk outline in like the 17th century, they just square up and, and uh, no one's allowed to take their foot off the chalk line and they just basically beat each other until someone goes limp. It's, um, it, it's funny, we, we can stereotype as well. Like, you know, I can ask, you know, why don't Canadian fighters say sorry after every punch? <laughs> well, I think we do most of the time. <laughs> uh, it's, it's mental, it's all mental. Yeah, yeah. very apologetic. Yeah, we say, uh, Sorry, and the American fighters say sorry. I always oh give them sh shit for that. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, look, that's that's all the questions, and I think, Coach, like I, I want to thank you again for. Uh, no, thanks for having me on, and I, I haven't talked to uh, 
I, you know, besides Arash, uh, Mac, and Polly, I think I, I haven't really spoken to many of the students. Not not obviously intentionally. Just Lena and I just moved. You know, we've got the baby. Uh, we're trying to keep the business afloat. It's uh, it's a lot. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, I should note. I should probably say, on that note, that the gym is uh, as of now is is great. Like we're in good standing. We uh, can survive a, a good long while at, at at the current rate that we're at. So we should. Uh, I'm very confident that we'll be we'll survive the lockdown. Perfect. Um, which Perfect. is which is uh, good. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know like, talking talking to a few of the guys. You know, there was not concerns but questions as to you know when or if. So for this exclusive. On the, right. on the podcast uh that'll I, i'm sure that'll put a ton of minds at ease because you know everyone you know yourself like everyone loves coming to six mma and training with you uh, and everyone's so excited to get back and you know for those who aren't uh who aren't like in an mma gym and are considering going in uh like i hope that this chat was was helpful uh i i for one being someone who had no experience before going in, I would wholeheartedly recommend it because it's just such a fantastic experience. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Oh, and I also, I, I really wanted to mention that, and this is, this is straight talk. I'm not being nice. We wouldn't have made it to this point without um, my students continuously donating money, despite that they can't come in and train. I mean, Lena and I were, I was moved to tears at one point where I got one night where I got something like 12 messages from students going, please bill me. Uh, and you know, my, my answer was always like, <laughs> I feel guilty about it, right? Obviously I just don't want to take my guy's money. We have a nice arrangement. I teach them how to fight. They pay me. Yeah. And you know, there's a feeling of guilt when I can't do that and they're still, still paying. But because of, of those people, we're still, you know, many gyms around us have closed the doors. It's been tough. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Obviously, Lena is a genius. My wife is uh, her her financial footwork has been unreal. But aside from that, without without students stepping up and uh, you know, and it's one thing to keep paying. It's another thing to keep paying in a pandemic. We had people losing their jobs and still paying gym fees, which is like uh, you know, there's there's nothing more. Uh, you know, I I couldn't be more grateful. So yeah. we're very lucky in that sense. Well, you know. we're lucky to have you, Coach, and we're super excited to get back. Uh, and me too, me too, and, and kick your ass again. You know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, and at one at one eighty one, uh, everybody will. I need to. Uh, I need to get back down before we, we open we'll, those doors. We'll, we'll book it. We'll book it. The uh, Super Mario versus the Drop Bear Middleweight. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name too. It's so good. Super Mario. All right, Coach. I'll leave you to it. Well, thanks again. All right, buddy. Chat soon. No problem. Take care.